0: Hey parents, are you having a hard time figuring your kids out and you're trying to give them all the things, you know, all the things that we didn't have when we were kids. You're running them to soccer, you're running them to music, you're trying to do it all and it's leaving you really burned out. Hey kids, do you feel like your parents just don't quite understand you and maybe doing all the things isn't exactly what you need? Maybe you just need a little bit of time to be a kid. Well, this episode is for both sides of the story. We're going to dig in deep. We're going to talk about creating margin in your life, looking at opportunities, your roles, your relationships, and how to foster curiosity. So stay with me. Hey there, you're listening to the Living a Limitless Life podcast. I'm Sharon Hughes, and on this show, we talk about mastering your mindset, growing your faith, and becoming the leader you want to be. With tips, strategies and interviews to help you create a life you love. I'm really glad you're here. So come on, let's go. Hey, welcome to the show. Today I have this fantastic guest. He is a next-gen pastor. He's also a speaker, encourager, influencer. Welcome to the show, Garrett Lowe.
1: Yo, what's up? I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me, Sharon.
0: I'm so happy you're here. We've been talking for several months, several yeah. months. Yeah. Good yeah. old
1: IG on the old Instagram.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so Garrett, for people that don't know the term next-gen pastor, can you explain what that is?
1: Yeah. Whenever I tell people I'm a pastor and they're like, are you a youth pastor? or something?" I'm like, no, I'm a next-gen pastor. But let me explain that because no one knows what that means. But it's basically, I oversee the next-gen ministries at a church, a Living Word Community Church in York, Pennsylvania. And so the next-gen ministries is anything from the nursery to zero-year-olds, you know, mm-hmm. you could have a little baby in the nursery, all the way up through young adults.
0: Wow. So you are seeing truly the next generation all the way through.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and it's exciting. There's a lot of good stuff happening. Of course, every generation has their challenges for sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm optimistic about the next generation.
0: I am too. You know, I so I'm quite a bit older than you. My kids are 17, 21 and 32. And I can remember a time I was standing um, in line at the grocery store and I had one of my kids was sitting in the grocery cart. And one of the boys, he was a little bit older, he was standing there. And somebody made some kind of a comment about how they're good kids, but just wait until they're teenagers. And Mm -hmm. I was so offended because I thought, you know, you don't know my kids and why do you blanket like every up and comer as like, they're going to be a problem. And if that is the mindset, let's say that person represents the thoughts of many, like how does that affect... Kids coming up, they're already being labeled as, I'm going to be a problem.
1: Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and it really feeds cynicism. I mean, mm-hmm. cynicism is the air that our culture breathes, which mm-hmm. is unfortunate, but um, you can't turn the TV on and watch the news or a TV show that kind of paints this image of the world or the next generation with this uh, cynical tint to it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I know so many people are, are talking about millennials, you know, being this, that, and the other. And I was sharing with you before we started recording that I heard Lisa Bevere speak last night at Hillsong in LA, and she was talking about millennials completely different than what you hear like mainstream, you know, media talk about them. She's saying they're articulate, they're educated, they're driven, yeah. They're overwhelmed with choices because this generation and this time that we're living in, we have so many choices, but they're not they're, I don't see them the way that the world is labeling them. I agree with Lisa. The millennials I've worked with have been some of the most interesting people I've ever met. They're highly engaged and they have so many questions.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Probably the biggest criticism I keep hearing is they're so narcissistic or, mm. or self-centered and I forget who it was that I was listening to recently, but they're like, okay, if you're going to label Gen Z, you know, as narcissistic or millennials as whatever. He's like, let's go back to generation A. Let's go back to like, you know, first century where, you know, um, if we look in the scripture, we see the Bible, we see Jesus working with his disciples who would have mm-hmm. been teenagers, you know, yeah. and what's the, the biggest argument that they kept going back to is, who's going to be the greatest in your kingdom, Lord, you know, and it's like, <laughs> they're arguing about who the best is and uh, let, let us sit on your right or left hand. So yeah. it's like, me, 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 me. Yeah. So it's like, I don't think there's any, you know, there's no different. That's just like, you know, the, the sin nature of any young person is going to want to be focused on themselves or what, I, what I can get out of whatever, but that's yeah. where mentoring comes in. That's where coaching comes in and, Mm-hmm. I don't think that this next generation is any different. Has any you know, when you drill down beneath the surface, are their struggles really any different than what was seen in the first century? So Yeah.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's just viewed a little bit differently because of social media because now we selfies. see
1: it all all the
0: time. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it's still magnified. Posting, yeah. yeah, just a little. Mhm. <laughs> So you are super passionate about helping people discover their calling. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah. So, you know, for me, I I really struggled like anyone, I think, with a sense of purpose. I mean, Mm -hmm. young people, or not just young people, anybody wants to find out why am I here? These three big questions that everyone asks themselves is, who am I? Mm -hmm. Why am I here? And where do I belong?
2: Mm -hmm. So those
1: are questions about identity. Who am Mm -hmm. I? Uh, Why am I here? Purpose. And then where do I belong? Community. Mm -hmm. So you speak to those three areas to anybody and you're going to have their attention because Mm -hmm. those are the the fundamental questions that, that people are asking. Mm
2: -hmm. And especially
1: young people as they feel that they have their their whole life in front of them. um, They really want to get those questions answered. And so when I see young people who don't have a sense of purpose who are unsure of their identity and are struggling to really find out where they fit. I, I really want to help give guidance to that. I want to speak into their life. I want to help them become more self-aware. I want to help mm-hmm. them find out who they are, how they were wired. Um, a lot of young people have probably never even taken a, a personality test.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So not that those things are a hundred percent accurate, but man, they sure do give you a ballpark. Right. Information about who you are, mm-hmm. and, and I, you know, I like to help guide people towards self-awareness, but also um, what difference they can make. Yeah, how they can be a difference maker with how they're wired and gifted, mm-hmm. and to help get them involved. And all this takes place in the community. And a lot of people feel lost because they don't feel they have the right community. So right. this, this, that, that's kind of like the main thing that I focused on that really drives why I do what I do.
0: Yeah.
1: I'll yeah. give people purpose.
0: Yeah. So since you're dealing with a lot of young people that, and, and just to sidestep a little bit here, there's like this huge crisis of people that are cutting and self-harming and there's like a suicide epidemic. How do we reach this generation to tell them you you're more than what you think that you are, that you do have purpose? Like, Because some of these kids, they're really tuned out. Like, how do we reach them?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, We live in a world of, like, distraction.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: There's a quote by a philosopher named Blaise Pascal, and he says that all of man's miseries or every person's miseries come from not being able to spend time alone in a room. Now, what he's getting at there is that our miseries come from us not being able to slow down, to take stock, to reflect, to quiet ourselves, to mm-hmm. process. So we live in the information age, and mm-hmm. so we can get bombarded with information on top of information, but if we don't have time for incubation, mm. if we don't have time to allow those things to process and to grow, then it's just tons of stuff coming in one ear going out the other and we just get overloaded overwhelmed uh we can find ourselves signing up for everything
2: mm-hmm. so I
1: I know kid I mean I work with teens so I know I know young people who are in seventh eighth grade and they don't get home till eight or nine o'clock at night mm. because That's they go to right. school afterwards mm-hmm. they go to a sport practice and after the sport practice they go to a uh, a musical or show choir or band. Mm -hmm. And it's a season of, especially in spring right now, spring sports and everything. People are involved in way too much. And so they don't have any margin in their life to do any processing, reflecting, to spend time with deep relationships. That's why I think causes this anxiety Mm -hmm. and this disconnectedness in an age of connection yeah Uh, there's no deep connection and so that feeds some of these coping mechanisms that we see them dealing with is i need to feel something i don't know how to so i'm gonna cut or i'm gonna smoke Mm -hmm. or i'm gonna Mm -hmm. and then they move to to something that allows them to either number one to feel something okay i'm gonna i'm gonna cut or whatever to feel something or i'm going to numb out Mm -hmm. i'm going to drink i'm going to smoke i'm gonna Numb it, and you know I don't know if you listen to any of Brene Brown stuff.
0: Oh gosh, she's she's like brilliant, amazing. She gave us all the the voice, like the verbiage for the things that we were feeling that were in our sure. head we couldn't get out. Yeah, she has
1: this brilliant line where, where she says, "You can't selectively numb emotions."
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so with these young people feeling what they feel, if it's a negative feeling, then I'm just going to numb it. But then at the same time. Sure, you're numbing anxiety and sorrow or depression, but you're also numbing joy and hope, mm-hmm. and and so you know numbing numbs everything, and then feeling, I mean, they're searching for a feeling to feel, but if it's, it's a, if it's a self harm issue, it's it's not going to be a lasting feeling.
0: Yeah. Sure. Wow. Gosh, okay, we could talk about this for a weekend, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. So, what came to my mind when you were talking about these kids just having so many things going on is is two. One, there's that fear of missing out, so they feel like they need to be involved in everything. Uh-huh. But the flip side of the coin is is the parents. So, like the people that are my age are feeling like we want to give our kids every opportunity if they want to do ball and they want to do band and, you know, then they're going to be on the swim team and like all this stuff. We're just going to sign them up for everything because our parents didn't do that. Mm -hmm. And they don't understand the balance. They're not seeing the burnout. Like I remember the years of being in the minivan, like one thing after another and driving through McDonald's all the time. And I was so burned out. My kids had to be, Mm -hmm. they just had to be. Yeah. And it felt, we got to this point where it felt like, do I ever put a real meal on the table? you just, and you need to slow down. So what comes to mind for you? If, if I was the parent sitting in, in your office right now, and I was saying, how do I slow it down? Like, and how do I make sure that me and say my husband and my kids all get on the same page so that they're getting, you know, exposed to the things that, that we want them to get to try. We want them to have those opportunities and they're feeling like they have enough time to be a kid.
1: Mm -hmm, Absolutely. So part of the model that I use when I help try to help people discern their calling Mm -hmm. uh, to find their purpose. One of the quadrants that I really pay attention to is uh, opportunities. Mm. And I identify opportunities as um, the role that you could have, uh, relationships or resources. And part of my teaching in that area is that we live in a world full of opportunities. Uh, We live in a world with so many open doors and invitations and challenges. And so for young people, I really think that they should try anything and everything because they don't, I mean, there are jobs that do not exist today. Mm -hmm. that Some 12 year old right now will have in 10 years. I mean, with the way that technology is moving, but this, a a 12 year old doesn't know what they're passionate about or Mm -hmm. even what they're good at until they try stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So I really do think there's two sides of this coin. Yes. As a parent, I want my child to really experience every opportunity that they possibly can. I want them to, my little girl is six years old. Mm -hmm. I I would say, you know, Cherry, what do you want to be? Her name's Cherith. We call her Cherry. Cherry, what do you want to be when you grow up? And she'll say she wants to be a fighter.
2: She wants to be,
1: <laughs> to be good at karate. You know, she is such a girly girl, but she really wants to try this karate thing out. Thank you, Milan from, from Disney. <laughs> but she just uh, finished swim lessons. All right, she has mm-hmm. like one more swim lesson. So for me as a parent, the word that I'm going to use for, for balance in our life is pacing.
0: Mm, that's a good one
1: and so if my little girl wants to be playing dress up and she's interested in acting and she wants to be a fighter and she wants to try swim lessons and then just yesterday she saw the next door neighbor playing basketball our nine-year-old across the street she's like i think i'd like to learn to play basketball Hmm. well i want to foster this curiosity i want to but pacing yeah i don't need to sign her up for anything and everything all at once. And as as young people get older, you know, they're kind of getting a little more autonomy and a little more power. And so they're setting themselves up. And parents have maybe taken a probably a passive role and saying, oh, you want to do that stuff? Okay. Yeah. They they haven't really maybe thought through what are the implications of our of our family schedule. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, before they give the green light. And once you give the green light, it's hard to put the brakes on something.
0: Yeah. When you, when you said that she wants to play basketball and that you want to foster it, I immediately thought of the scene in Father of the Bride with Steve Martin Mm -hmm. playing basketball with his little girl, you know, just days before the wedding. And I just thought how many times do we yes we're so quick to sign our kids up to go learn something from someone else rather than us just throwing a ball with them to see if this is really even something we should pursue mm-hmm. or or just spending that quality time with them you know initially another question is this is huge for everybody you talked a lot about processing people don't even know how to process Oh, yeah. What does that look like? How do you process in a healthy manner?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so I'm a big journaler. Uh, I love journaling. I have every journal I've kept since 1997. <laughs> and, I mean, I'm 37 years old. You know, as we're talking here, <laughs> and I just think that's such a gift. And mm-hmm. if the earlier you can help someone journal to Keep a diary or whatever that looks like.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: I think that's just a gift that you're giving them because, for me, I'm a, I would kind of label myself a discovery writer. Mm-hmm. Like I, don't, I just sit down and start writing, and then things come out that are profound that I didn't even know I could think of. And looking back through my journals ha- has been just a gift for me to be able to. Process where I've been, lessons I've learned, to revisit some of those and to expound on them Mm -hmm. a little more. So, you know, a a good place to start with with someone who's never journaled before would be to encourage them to keep a gratitude journal.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And I know that's a pretty somewhat popular thing to do right now. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's easy for for someone to sit down and just give them the challenge of, hey, write down three to five things. You're genuinely grateful for today, mm-hmm. and then, and if you can make any comments about those things, mm-hmm. I mean, just to get the just to prime the pump, you know, to get them thinking through that stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, journaling is really popular. I do a lot of journaling work too, and I've I found it really really helps. So you talked about opportunities. So what are some other ways that you use that to help people unpack their calling?
1: Yeah, so opportunity just, is just one piece of it. So the model itself is actually called Top Calling, TLP, mm-hmm. And the T stands for talents. Okay. And the P stands for passions. Okay. So talents, opportunities, and passions.
0: Oh, I like that.
1: And, you know, when people think of talents right away, they automatically think of a, a skill or an ability. And I think that plays a part of it. But like I said before, I think people need to grow in their Mm self-awareness. And so I would define talents as how you're wired, equipped, and gifted. Mm -hmm. So the wiring piece would speak to their personality. And you and I could probably come up with half a dozen personality tests that are out there today. Yeah. Enneagram,
2: Dissman,
1: Myers-Briggs. Mm-hmm. any of those are good to help people find out how they're wired. Mm-hmm. Um, equipped would speak to their abilities or skill, like maybe they're a natural athlete, maybe they have okay. a singing voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the gifted part is specifically referring to the spiritual gift aspect. Okay.
0: Them. Oh, a lot of people don't know what spiritual gifting is. So explain yeah. that.
1: So in the Christian world, <laughs> in, the, in the church, uh, uh, the Bible talks a lot about spiritual gifts. Mm-hmm. And so um, if someone starts following Christ, then we believe they're given a certain spiritual gift. It might be a gift of hospitality mm-hmm. or the gift of serving or administration or teaching.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's a, it's a gift. It would differentiate from skill and that it's being specifically empowered by the Holy spirit.
2: mhm
1: and so I know that this content may not resonate with everyone because I don't, you know, not everyone is a Christian or a, a believer and that's okay. Uh, there's tons of other principles in this model that that fit. And if you could just take the first two parts of talent, how you're wired and how you're gifted. Mm-hmm. It would still help bring someone a little more self-awareness in what their talents are.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think that there's so many people that we see in the world that will go, um, you know, just think of, I mean, like, who, who's top of the game in basketball right now? I don't even follow basketball. Yeah,
2: but I'm not even.
0: Yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> that was a that was a bad example. But if you said, you know, they're they're so gifted.
1: Oh, like LeBron like, James. Yeah. Okay. So like.
0: Player. Yeah. So, like, he's so like he's such a gifted player. Like, I could make that observation and make that comment about him. Mm -hmm. but I don't know what his theology is. Sure. Some people will say, they'll hear what we just talked about and they'll say, well, I think I'm gifted or so-and-so is gifted, but we're not Christians. So then what does that mean?
1: Yeah. So here's the, here's the important piece of this. With any natural ability, with any, even your personality, any gift that you have, the, the the main thing that I will come back to in this part of the conversation is this idea of seed form.
0: Oh, what's seed Le- form?
1: LeBron James may have the gift of basketball,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: but he was given that gift in seed form. It had to be cultivated. It had mm. to be developed and grown. He had to put in hours and hours of practice. He had to say no to millions of other things so that he could cultivate and grow this seed that he was given Mm -hmm. uh, at a very young age to be able to become great at developing that talent. So this idea of stewardship Mm -hmm. really revolves around the area of talents. Mm -hmm. Like I play guitar and I can sing, but I've decided intentionally not to develop that past a certain point because my Calling is not to be a professional musician. Okay. You know, I love singing. I played a show over the weekend with some friends, but it was just for fun. We hardly mm-hmm.
2: practiced. Mm-hmm. But
1: if whatever gift you have, you have to decide, you know, especially what our earlier in our conversation, if the kids are doing millions of things sports, choir, you know, whatever, they at some point they'll have to pick something to focus on. Mm hmm. They want that one thing to grow.
0: Hmm. Oh, that's really good stuff. I don't think a lot of people realize what you said about the seed. Like you, mm-hmm. you have to water that seed, fertilize the seed, make sure that it's getting enough sun so that it does grow. And yeah. yeah and then I was thinking about, well, so you, for example, so you're living in your calling as next gen pastor influencer you know shaping helping people find their passion and calling and then on the side you're a musician how did you how did you come to the place of going okay i'm not called to be a musician was it, was it clear for you
1: <laughs> yeah i mean for me it comes down to well it goes it kind of goes to the the p part of my model of top calling of passions okay and so the talents is how you're wired, equipped, and gifted. The O is the opportunities of roles, mm-hmm. uh, relationships, resources. Mm-hmm. And the P stands for passions, which is a passion can have an infancy to it. It can start okay. out as a curiosity, as a fascination. Mm-hmm. And then it grows into be, uh you give it some commitment mm-hmm. and you, you enjoy it, you love it. When we talk about passion today we really use it synonymously with love.
2: Mm-hmm. Now, what
1: do you love do. to do?
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: the, the, the word where we get passion from the Latin word, it, it actually means to suffer. Mm. The literal yes. definition of passion is to suffer. And so at some point, LeBron James had to make the decision to say that I'm willing to suffer through this next practice Mm -hmm. through shooting 300 foul shots to to get better at that, through um, saying no to friends, saying no Mm -hmm. to other opportunities so that he could suffer through putting in the work because he is passionate about basketball. Okay. For me, I love music. It's something that I'll always probably do for fun, but I'm not willing to suffer through a lot of the stuff that makes people get to the top. Mm-hmm. And I am more passionate about uh, working with people. I was a worship leader at a church for two years. Oh, and even leading worship at wow. a church, getting a full time salary to play music would sound mm-hmm. like a dream to some. Right. But during that season, I kept thinking, man, I want to teach, I want to coach, I want to mentor, I want to develop mm-hmm. curriculum. I want to, you know, so it wasn't my deepest passion.
0: Right, and it's interesting that your passion wasn't to teach, coach, and mentor music. Yeah, that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Wow! So this, I think, this is really going to help people understanding the difference between calling and your your side gig, your hobby. You know, the thing that yeah. you do on the side that isn't your your thing thing. Mm-hmm.
1: I'm, also, I'm also a semi-professional <laughs> wedding dj oh
0: god
2: <laughs>
1: and i don't tell too many people that because it's all word of mouth i don't have like business cards or anything like that
2: That's but it's so something fun. it's
1: something fun that fell in my lap but i'm not looking to do that any more than i'm doing right now very 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 <laughs> part-time you know? oh, but wow. all these things exist for a reason mm-hmm. and if i think we miss this piece of it, um, we, we would be selling ourselves short here. Like mm-hmm. everyone has talents, some aspect of talents, everyone has it. Everyone is, has a certain amount of opportunity and everyone has passions.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now all these things exist for a reason. Mm-hmm. They exist for us to meet needs in the world. Right. I'm and so if, that. if we don't focus on, using these things to meet needs, we could end up with a very self-centered, unfulfilling life. And I think, I believe that everybody was created for a purpose. I'm Mm -hmm. coming from that worldview where every person I interact with, I believe that they were specifically created for a purpose, on purpose, for a purpose. Uh, So I don't don't meet anyone and think to myself, they're a waste of, of oxygen. Uh, they're not an accident. Mm-hmm. And so when I when I meet people, my goal is specifically to help feed this idea that they matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ephesians 2.10, I know not every listener reads the Bible. And even if you're not a Christian, I pray that they would believe this verse where it says, you were created in Christ Jesus mm-hmm. to do good works mm-hmm. that he prepared in advance for you. Mm -hmm. And so there is work out there in the world. There is some need that you can meet that nobody else can meet the way that you do. And your life has meaning in in it, the way that you're wired, the way that you're gifted, that matters. And that, that you need to understand that Mm -hmm. that's been given to you for a reason to meet needs.
0: Mm -hmm. It's really powerful. I know the, a lot of the women that are my age, you know, this is the demographic of we're becoming empty nesters and we start wondering, okay, so what's next for us? Especially the women that were stay home moms Mm -hmm. that, you know, didn't, didn't go out into the workplace. The kids are leaving, going off to college and all of a sudden, and you know, maybe their husband still has a thriving career. They're left at home. They're wondering, am I valid anymore? No. Mm. And they go back into this whole, like, that's the identity crisis, right? That's the midlife crisis is like, well, who am I now? And they have to go back out and rediscover themselves. Right. And, and you know what? It's not an easy journey. I can say that because I've been in it. Yeah. <laughs> Even though here I am sitting behind a microphone, um, the last probably six years have been like, well, well who am I now in this season? So you've yeah. you, you mentioned something about that before we started recording. It was identifying which season you're in.
1: Exactly. So if we just take that example that you just gave. So if we take these three areas of talents, opportunities, and passions, and for a stay-at-home mom for the longest time, that, those three were kind of lined up. You know, mm-hmm. They were focused on you know, who they were, their identity, their talents, their opportunity at that time was to be a stay-at-home mom, their role, okay? And their relationship with their child. And their passion, every, every good mother is passionate about their children, want to mm-hmm. see them grow. Mm-hmm. So what happens when that child grows up and leaves the nest? The one area that changed for that mom is opportunity. The role changed.
2: Mm-hmm. The
1: role was gone. The, the child has flown the coop, you know? And so now they're left with this talent piece, of how they're wired, equipped, and gifted. And the opportunity piece just kind of shrunk a little bit.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And maybe that did something to their passions too, where they don't understand. Maybe they need to try to find a new passion. Mm-hmm. And so they're kind of at that stage in life where it would be um, you know, a, a stereotypical midlife crisis where,
2: mm-hmm.
1: well, I have all this talent that's not being used for anything. And so I, in that phase of life, I would coach someone To start seeking out new opportunities and seeing if that sparks a new passion
2: Mm -hmm. and
1: um, putting yourself out there for uh, another role or another uh, finding a new relationship, getting a mentor Mm -hmm. and seeing what what passions spark.
0: Right. Yeah. I think the mentorship is really important. Yeah. You need people to walk with you because... Life is just hard. Mm-hmm. You need to have those people like a mentor or a very, very tight circle of friends that you can trust with this stuff to just say, hey, you know, be my sounding just, board. Yeah, just like you were saying earlier,
1: it's hard yeah. to it's hard to reflect and process sometimes. It takes right. an outside voice to give us mm-hmm. questions to think about or new mm-hmm. perspectives.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to make sure that we're really staying in truth, like part of my message is staying in truth. You know, are you believing the truth about yourself? Well, how do you know that's true? Because so many of us carry around things that were projected on us. So, with my personal journey, it was becoming like, well, who am I really? I'm not the the person that my parents said I was or other influential people in my life said I was and pushed like a persona onto me that I grew up and one day I realized this persona doesn't fit. This is not who I am. Yeah. So I find that a lot of women, like all of a sudden they're like, okay, well I'm at ground zero again. And if they're not careful, like they don't have safe people in their life, you know, a core of trusted people or somebody to walk with them, they can go the wrong direction you know, we see it we see it on social media. It's like oh yeah, it's not girls gone wild, it's like housewives gone wild. <laughs> <laughs> a few years ago, I had messaged one of my girlfriends and um I said, Hey, I, I think that I need to do something wild and crazy. And I had thought about getting a tattoo just like for years, but it was a very conservative tattoo. And she was so funny because she replied back right away. She goes, can't you just go rent a car and drive up the coast? She goes, you don't need to be pierced or tattooed. And it was just <laughs> the funniest thing because she was a person that had done those things when she was younger. And she was um, like, you know what? When you get to be in your fifties, a pierced belly button just doesn't look good. Nobody wants to see it. And your tattoos don't necessarily look good because things aren't in the same place as they used to be. And it just made me laugh out loud. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. This has been such an amazing conversation. I think parents and their kids hearing this, they will both be able to see how the other side sees it.
1: Right on, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. So any, any advice that you would give to kids that do feel like, it's just too much and their parents are not seeing it. How could they approach their parents and just say, you know, I need to take a break.
1: Well, first, if, um, if a young person did say that to their parents, good for them. That's, uh, that's already a move towards self-awareness of knowing your limits and being able to create margin in your life, uh, to be able to, to live well. And so if a, if a child, a young person did say that I, I would just be, I would applaud that. And hopefully a parent wouldn't um, push back on that, but hopefully they would mm-hmm. see it as an opportunity for a good conversation, mm-hmm. uh, getting to the why,
2: mm-hmm. to
1: the why behind that. And also, man, if that, oh, that'd be such a gift if a, a young person said that to a parent to open up conversation about family time.
2: Mm-hmm. And that's right. That may
1: sound like a 1950s comment, like a, leave it to beaver type thing, but yeah. family dinners are just a family part of a Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, kids might say that they don't want that, but uh, they're hungry for it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. They need to know that. I mean, first of all, when you're a kid, your parents are everything and what your parents think about you shapes mm-hmm. you in so many ways. And for the kids that are just going from one activity to the next and they see their parents are just, you know, they're at work and they come home and they bring work home and they're hardly anybody's eating at the dinner table anymore. Like they need to stop and get reconnected and, and have their parents actually look at them in eye to eye (laughs) and just like see what's going on with them.
1: Yeah. Another, another piece of that is maybe the children are so busy because parents have certain Dreams or expectations for their child mm-hmm. that yeah. they necessarily don't want to live into, but they're doing it because they love their parents and they want to make them proud right and so as a parent, I know i'm tall i'm six mm-hmm. four uh, my parents wanted me to play basketball mm-hmm. uh, in high school, and I just really had no desire to play basketball, but I went to a small school, and so if you were a warm body, you, know, <laughs> you were on the sports team but but here's what I would say to parents. Um, you know, Einstein had a quote that said, if every if a fish was judged by its ability to climb a tree, mm-hmm. they'd all be stupid. Right. And so for parents to really try to get to know their children and say, what are their gifts? What are their, you know, are they kind of uncoordinated and not not really doing great at sports, but I really want my son to be a baseball player or I want my son to our daughter to do this or that. I'll just, you know, really start to discern what their gifting could be and foster their strengths Mm -hmm. rather than try to shape. And I'm, I'm kind of not a stereotypical male. I mean, I'm a bigger guy, lift weights. I look strong and everything, but I don't like sports. I don't have a team. (laughs) Okay. I don't, I don't uh, like being pushed. I don't, I would never play football. I just don't like being pushed around I love music and I love the arts yeah. <laughs> and uh, I would not know that from looking at me. When my wife first saw me, she thought I was a stereotypical jock mm. who liked to watch sports all the time. And that's just not me at all. Yeah. Um, so I just you know for parents to really take the opportunity to, to get to know their children and what they like and try to foster those interests and strengths.
0: Yeah. Good advice. Good advice. It's been so great having you on the show. Once again, it's Garrett Lowe. His social media will be linked below also. If you're interested in having him come out and speak to your group, he's got amazing content. He's right in the middle of creating. We talked about it off air. So thank you so much, Garrett, for being here. It was such a great conversation.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Sharon. This has been awesome.
0: All right. Until next time, you come back anytime. So when you get, when you get your book done that's brewing <laughs> and you're going to launch a podcast, we'll have you back on.
1: Right on. Awesome. I'll Make
0: sure that we link all that stuff up as well. Cool. Hey, friends. Thanks again for tuning into the show. All of Garrett's contact information is linked up below. And until next time, I wish you every good thing.